Welcome to the Pennsylvania in Focus podcast, powered by the Center Square. I'm Alan Wooden, Managing Editor at the Center Square Newswire Service. Pennsylvania in Focus is a production of America's Talking Network. You can find all of the Center Square's great podcasts at americastalking.com. You can also link to them through the podcast drop-down menu at thecentersquare.com. We are recording on Thursday, August 11. With us today are Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square, and Anthony Hennon, reporter for the Center Square, covering all of Pennsylvania. Dan, how are you today? Well, I'm glad to be back after missing uh, the past week. I was traveling and heard you guys did a did an outstanding podcast last week with some guests. It, it was. Uh, we were sad to miss you, but we did have a couple of uh, good fill-ins. Anthony, welcome back from a well-deserved vacation. We've missed you at least over the last two weeks. Yeah, thank you. Glad to be back. Um, you know, I know Dan was traveling for work. I was just kind of gallivanting around Czech Republic and Spain. So I think we both came out pretty evenly there. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it, but how was your trip, Anthony? We haven't had a chance to talk. Yeah, it was great. It was uh, as much needed rest and uh, got burnt on the beach in Spain. So checked off all my bucket list there. Gentlemen, as we come together again, let's start with veterans. It's a topic on this podcast recently a couple of times, and it's one that needs great attention. Um, Dan, you and I are a smidgen older than Anthony. The veterans returning home in our younger years, and there wasn't always a lot of red, white, and blue flowing around, was there? Yeah, certainly during the uh, Vietnam era when when many Americans were protesting the fact that we were in, uh, even in the war. Um, after our soldiers returned, there were plenty of protests uh, uh, then. Um, of course, they didn't decide to go to war themselves. They volunteered to join the military, um, and that's where they, their country sent them to do a job over there. I think that in terms of uh, American support, I think that has changed, particularly since what's been going on you know, in the Gulf region. You uh, first with Iraq's invasion of Kuwait and the first President Bush sent troops over there to help them out. And then what after 911, uh, you mentioned um, with the Afghanistan and Iraq wars, I think Americans are more appreciative of their of, of uh, veterans and they should be. Let me make that clear. These these folks are, are heroes. They should be appreciative. But at the same time, um, the U.S., government system for for helping veterans once they're uh, uh, discharged from the military it hasn't been great there's been inconsistencies with with the services we provide our, our veterans and I think that's one of the main issues uh, that particularly in what we're talking about here in Pennsylvania um, that they're trying to improve yeah and, and so as we turn more into Anthony's report from this week uh, tell us Anthony what kind of hurdles are the veterans? Can they now clear because of the recent moves, but also what's still out there for them that, that they need help with? Yeah. So the uh, the big news in terms of Veterans Affairs recently has been the uh, federal passage of the uh, promise to address Comprehensive Toxics Act, also known as the PACT Act. Um, basically, uh, this is a this is a law that expands and extends um, eligibility for um, health care through Veterans Affairs uh, health centers. Uh, basically, one of the one of the more pressing issues was exposure to toxic materials from these burn pits um, from previous wars in Afghanistan and Iraq and other places. Um, the bill essentially uh, makes it easier for uh, f- uh, former service members to uh, what's called service connect their um, health issues to their time of service. Um, service connection is sort of a wonky term 
uh, within the VA where a veteran demonstrates that their health issue comes from their military service, which then qualifies them for different benefits. Um, so when we're looking at kind of the uh, the impact of this new uh, law, uh, they're estimating it's going to be an extra about an, another million claims um, within the VA for healthcare, and that'll affect about 3.5 million veterans. That's about the estimate. You know, it could change. We'll see how that shakes out. Um, but this has sort of been framed by I spoke with um, in Erie County up in the northwestern part of the state. Um, Joe Bonacci is the head of the Department of Veterans Affairs there in, in Erie. Um, he, he's looking at this of, you know, there, there's some some quibbles with uh, some minor aspects of the law, but generally it, it seems to be a pretty, uh, pretty positive move. Um, he, he said that, you know, a lot of the past problems that you've heard a lot of the complaints about, they're really trying to fix them, referring to the VA um, and previous issues like um, long distances for travel for veterans to get medical care. Um, so it seems like it's, it's a fairly positive thing when you're looking at veterans who used to struggle to prove that their health issues were connected to their military service and then qualifying for um, health care through the VA. Um, however, there's still some lingering problems um, across the state in terms of veterans affairs. Um, two of the big ones are um, suicide among veterans, as well as uh, homelessness. Um, you know, when we're looking at the latest report coming from the Department of Veterans Affairs, um, nationally, we've seen a bit of a decrease in recent years. This dropped about 7% um, in 2019 compared to the previous year. Um, that's been a couple years of declines for the latest data that we have. However, um, that's still you know decently higher than what uh, veteran suicides were at a decade ago. So there's still a lot of uh, progress to be made. And also, it's not, it's not really, uh, it's not younger veterans. It's not generally... Um, younger servicemen coming back from Afghanistan or Iraq. Um, in Pennsylvania, there's been almost 270 veterans died by suicide in 2019. And the majority of those, or at least most of them, um, came between the ages of 55 and 74. Um, so this is, this is a general concern. It's also a concern because suicide rates for veterans across all age groups are higher than suicide rates among non-veterans. That's one of the things that surprised me, Anthony, about your story was that it's 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 there's more older um, veterans um, committing suicide um, the, than younger veterans. And in other reporting, reporting that the Center Square has done, um, essentially, uh, when you add the numbers up, more than 17 veterans per day die of suicide. So obviously it's it's, it's an issue in Pennsylvania, but it's an issue um um, nationwide, you, you reference the word connect, <clears throat> connecting uh, veterans to the mental health services or the physical health services that they need is an important part of it. Because what we we've, we've reported on in in in, in other stories as well um, is that many veterans don't know that these services are out there, mm-hmm. um, and and they don't know where to get them and 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 uh, that kind of thing. And the other problem is is veteran homelessness. Um, uh, uh, that's a big difference in both suicides and homelessness. The, the number of veterans suffering from either one of those is significantly higher than the, the non-veterans uh, among the American population. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, simply it's a big problem. Um, I know at least in Erie County, they're planning later this year to do um, what they call a stand down, where they try to go out and reach out to homeless veterans or veterans struggling with their mental health and helping them get get access to housing, to mental counseling, trying to help them find a job. Um, so there's efforts being made um, on a federal level. 
uh, we're seeing almost uh, about 430 million going into uh, grants to different organizations to address veteran homelessness. So there's a lot of activity going on, but uh, still a long way to go. Yeah. Good stuff there. Another story that caught our attention this week is a discussion of a hydrogen hub in Pennsylvania. Um, Anthony, you reported on this a couple of times. Uh, there will be, there's plans for four of them to be funded by the federal government in the U.S., uh, about $8 billion total there. Uh, there's considerable debate. Dan, what are some of the pros and cons of taxpayers funding this? Well, uh, you mentioned $8 billion in federal funds looking to locate uh, four of these regional hubs or uh, uh, carbon hubs across the country, hydrogen hubs, excuse me. Um, Pittsburgh um, uh, is looking, is or at least, at least they're talking about bringing one to Pittsburgh. I'm not a big fan of the federal government. Um, um, uh, this is me personally talking, not speaking for anybody else here, because I know plenty of people disagree with me. The federal government uh, getting into private um, investment, except in certain circumstances, one would be considered uh, national security and climate change could be considered a national security um, um, type of issue. So I can see pros and cons on both sides of it. Um, I'm certain, I'm sure uh, plenty of cities and states across the country are having these same conversations when the federal government is promising $8 billion. Um, you should at least consider if you're uh, able to go after that and, and, and be something like a hydrogen hub. Anthony, is, is Pennsylvania a realistic player to land one of the four? And, and if so, what's going to get it across the finish line? If not, what's going to stop it? Yeah, so I think they're uh, they're definitely a realistic um, option here. Um, when we're looking at this, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of centering on Western Pennsylvania around the Marcellus shale fields. Um, so you know, th- there is this question of could it end up in Pennsylvania? Could it end up in you know Eastern Ohio? Could it end up in the Northern West Virginia Panhandle? Um, so there's flexibility there. Um, as far as getting across the finish line, I think I think it's hard to say honestly at this point. Um, so hydrogen hubs can essentially um, function with energy storage, um, and that can come from either using natural gas and fossil fuels. Um, it can also be used uh, with clean energy sources. Um, generally, with fossil fuels, it would be referred to as blue hydrogen. With, uh, with renewable energy, it would be referred to as green hydrogen. Um, but these are also coupled with um, carbon capture and storage um, attempts, basically of uh, pulling carbon out of the atmosphere or carbon that's used in the production of energy, storing it rather than letting it be released. Um, I I think the big problem here is, you know, you can talk about emissions and kind of those long run solutions and whether this makes you more reliant or less reliant on um, fossil fuels versus renewable energies. Uh, But a lot of this is uh, sort of unproven in terms of how it functions. Um, Some other federal grants have gone to uh, carbon capture and storage projects have not really panned out economically. Um, one of the concerns from uh, environmental advocates is that even with federal funding coming in to build this hydrogen hub and carbon capture technology out, um, long run, you're looking at a lot of taxpayer uh, subsidies going to make this function in the first place. Um, so as far as Pennsylvania standing out to get one of these, um, politically, state leaders seem fairly united on this. Um, to- Governor Tom Wolf. Uh, signed a letter supporting this. We've had a number of uh, Republicans and Democrats on the state level supporting this. We've had Republicans and Democrats 
um, in the U.S. Congress supporting this. So there's definitely a lot of political zeal in making this happen, or at least considering this, um, but making Pennsylvania stand out as opposed to Ohio or other parts of the U.S. Um, I think that's trickier. I think it's hard to say. You know, Pennsylvania is clearly a very big um, energy producer and exporter of energy, um, but I'm not sure what uh, what the federal requirements will be as far as choosing one area over the next. But it's definitely, I think it's definitely in the running here. And there, I, I, uh, I'm sure there are plenty of jobs that would be attached to the locations, yes. uh, the four locations that do get selected. So that's uh, sort of an incentive for Pennsylvania and the Pittsburgh region um, to be interested in it because it cre- create jobs, it creates you know other economic um, opportunities. Um, do we have a number of what they? You know, I know this is sort of in the early stages and it's still being discussed. Do we do we know how many jobs they're saying could be tied to a hydrogen hub? Uh, honestly, it's hard to say. I think it's hard to put any sort of realistic number. Um, I've seen from some testimony um, they're talking at least thousands of jobs coming from mm-hmm. this, which sounds like a fair ballpark fig- ballpark figure. But again, those are coming from advocates of the project in the first place. So I'm not sure how. Um, how trustworthy or how much credence we should give to those numbers. But I, I think somewhere in the thousands uh, sounds fairly realistic. If nothing else. Good stuff there. On our lineup, guys, I'm going to skip on to one more story here uh, and change this. Throw you a little curveball here. So we're going to move forward. Dan, quick quiz for you. Uh-oh. Name, name the state and the year for the first legalization of marijuana in the United States. Well, I'm pretty sure it's Colorado, and the year maybe two. Let's see, God, you throw me off here. 2010. Let me change my answer. 2012. All right, so I'll give you credit for the bonus question, which was recreational marijuana, but for uh, medical marijuana, I don't. Oh, I think I left the word medical out. So tell me. Uh, so let's go back. So what's the uh, for medical marijuana first date and the year? God, I have no idea. If it wasn't Colorado, then probably California, but I don't know. Good guess. Anthony? Yeah, I would also guess California sometime in the 70s. Um, though I, I guess I think, what was it, Prop 420 decriminalized it in California in like 73. Um, uh, but otherwise, I'm, I'm, not as, I'm not as sure. So somewhere on the West Coast, I'm fairly right. confident there. California, 1996. You can believe that. Alaska, Oregon, and Washington followed in 98. Um, 2012, uh, recreational was Colorado and the state of Washington, both in in 2012. I nailed the year. I nailed that part of the question. You got it. You got it. Good job. Pennsylvania, there is a request out regarding medical marijuana. So, Anthony, what is the Department of Health asking for here? Yeah, so uh, in Pennsylvania, they uh, legalized a medical marijuana program in 2016, um, and kind of they, they've expanded a bit. Um, you know, as far as the qualifying medical conditions has grown, um, as well as um, how many growers and processors there can be. Um, but in the uh, the latest report about the program, um, what's interesting is uh, when you're looking at the money that funds the program. Um, this basically comes from a tax on uh, growers and processors in the Commonwealth, and there are uh, 23 that are permitted and operational. Um, and there's about 160 active dispensary sites across the state selling uh, medical marijuana. Um, but in the report, um, one, of the re- one of the recommendations was to take the, uh, the 
uh, tax revenues funding the medical marijuana program and putting more of it toward the medical marijuana assistance program, um, given that uh, medical marijuana or all marijuana, for that matter, is still illegal on a federal level. Um, you know, health insurance and other um, coverage like that does not cover any medical marijuana uh, expenses. And so the uh, the state with their assistance program has uh, previously been waiving fees for background checks, for the cost of medical marijuana cards, things like that. Um, but what they're looking to do now is shift uh, revenues that would go to research and said, pump it into the assistance program. And then uh, sometime soon in the future, allow that money to be used um, for the purchase of medical marijuana products. So they would be moving from waiving fees and providing background checks, um, medical marijuana cards, and into the actual um, medical marijuana pro- products, which has not yet been done. Well, and I'll dovetail a little bit on what Anthony uh, mentioned there. Uh, federal law remains. Marijuana is illegal. Uh, Dan, in terms of taxpayers footing the bill for medicine, uh, what are people arguing for and against on that? On the federal aspect of that? Yeah. 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 I, I think I think it's still partly a partisan issue. Um, um, re- many Republicans um, still remain opposed to it, but I think more and more are coming around. I think it's just a matter of time before Congress takes uh, marijuana off its Schedule One narcotic list, whether that's, you know, not going to happen this year. It's an election year, midterm elections. Um, but I think I, I think this this decade, it's it is going to happen um, as more and more states, because let's face it, I mean, Pennsylvania is now considering legalizing recreational uh, marijuana. I wouldn't be surprised um, uh, if Pennsylvania legalizes uh, recreational marijuana within the next uh, few years. And I, the, the trend's going that way. Congress is going to eventually go that way. It's just it's more a matter of uh, when and what whether or not it will happen or not. Yeah, I mean, do you think it? Uh, I mean, do we think it's going to be a, a liberal Congress that gets it through? I mean, obviously, there's talk, talk this year that the midterms are going to flip things a little bit. Right. Yeah, but I, th- I honestly, I think it's on. It, it's sort of a free market um, uh, mm-hmm. issue, and there are many more and more free market conservatives who are Republicans. Um, who have just a, a different mindset than the old school, you know, uh, conservative. Um, uh, and let's face it, you know, medical marijuana, excuse me, I keep saying medical marijuana in general is, isn't any more harmful than alcohol is. And there's many arguments that alcohol is can be more harmful physically to people um, than marijuana. I think it's just a change of thinking on the conservative side. Yes, there's still plenty of conservatives who oppose this, um, but more and more are open, particularly those who come from the free market uh, mindset. Yeah. yeah, I would just add to that. Um, when we're looking at uh, committee hearings on legalizing recreational marijuana in Pennsylvania, um, one, one of the big uh, arguments that I've seen coming on the Republican side is the uh, potential tax revenues from this, where, I mean, they're discussing w- without legalizing, if they would legalize recreational marijuana, they're looking at an extra five to six billion a year coming into state coffers. And I think that's really, um, really doing a lot of work on the Republican side in the state to warm up to the idea. And money always talks, doesn't it, Dan? Sure. It certainly does. Um, And and also, you know, there are states around Pennsylvania um, where uh, uh, recreational marijuana is legal. 
Um, not that tons of people are crossing state lines or whatever to go get it, but certainly some portion of people's do. And as more and more states legalize recreational marijuana, which is happening, it seems every year a few more states um, do jump in and legalize it. Uh, it's it's inevitable for Pennsylvania. Yeah, and, and we actually, uh, the Center Square had a story about a month or two ago where, uh, where we looked at the New England states, and they're very tightly bunched, but we saw where uh, what's going on in Massachusetts is getting a little bit copied by some of their neighbors uh, yeah. because they saw the revenue stream. So, right. again, money talks. Well, Dan and Anthony, thank you for your insights this week. It's been great to have you back all together. Uh, that is all the time that we have. We encourage our audience to find news that matters for taxpayers of Pennsylvania at thecentersquare.com. This has been the Pennsylvania in Focus podcast, part of the America's Talking Network. Find all of the Center Square's podcasts at americastalking.com. For Dan McCaleb and Anthony Hennon, I'm Alan Wooten, and we will talk to you next week. 